Brazil and the world. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're watching this. I'm Chris Corrado, your host of Rock Hill Video. This is our political show that we do as much as we can. Um, as I always like to say at the beginning of every show, whenever I bring my guests on, everyone gets an equal opportunity, a forum to talk about the issues, how they feel. Nobody here is judged. I don't bring anybody on here to bash them or praise them. Uh, if we ever have multiple guests and there's a debate going, uh, nobody gets extra time because I agree with them or nobody gets uh, shut down because I don't agree. Uh, we want everyone here to feel comfortable. Uh, I went to Winthrop University, which is in Rock Hill. I majored in mass communication with a concentration in journalism. And one of the things they taught us was to make sure a code of ethics is that when you report the news, um, it should be without bias. And that's why I did this show. It's to make sure that everyone gets an equal opportunity. I can't stress that enough. It's not about my opinion. It's about my guests so they feel welcome. That's one of the things we want to make sure. Um, a lot of news shows you'll see where people, you know, they just bring on people to present a certain narrative, and I try not to do that. I like to bring all sides in to get that equal opportunity. It's just a, a code of ethics. You, you report the news, you give people an opportunity to state how they feel, and that's just how you report it. So tonight is Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, uh, February 10th. 2021, it's 7.17 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. About a week or so ago, I was on Facebook, and a, a couple of my friends on, on Facebook with, uh, made a post, and it talked about gun violence. And uh, when I looked at a lot of the street names and neighborhoods, it's more like on the south end of Rock Hill. Um, and I thought I'd bring on uh, my guests to talk about this. Um, they're all very influential uh, folks in their community. Uh, we have everything from uh, local elected fish officials, um, former military, uh, those in the religious field, uh, those in the sporting uh, field. Uh, these are all really good guys who I've gotten to know. Um, some have been on my show before and some of them are first time. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, some of the streets. I won't go over all of them. I was looking at them. I recognize Byers Street, uh, Crawford Road, which on Crawford Road, two of the gentlemen on the show tonight uh, one, his, his church that uh, he preaches at is on Crawford Road. I see Crawford Road here at least twice on the list. Another gentleman, he has a, a boxing gym on Crawford Road. They're actually right next door to each other. So I thought this would be important. I know it's uh, Black History Month, so I thought that's even more important to have these gentlemen on here. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start with uh, Councilman uh, Bump Roddy. He's the first gentleman who's going to uh, talk tonight. We also... Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Coach Alonzo Lumpkin, this gentleman right here. We also have uh, Antonio Michael. He is a community leader and uh, former Navy, so thank you for your service. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Deacon Terrence Chisholm of St. Mary's in Rock Hill. So, Councilman Roddy, uh, when looking at these streets and you know, you're seeing the gun violence, uh, I see we have something here from 2021 and, of course, a good bit from last year, too. What would you like to say about that? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks, Chris, for, for having me on and, and bringing this topic uh, to the forefront and reaching some people that may or may not be aware of what's going on here locally uh, in some of our southern Rock Hill neighborhoods. Um, a little bit of history. Um, some of our neighborhoods have been trouble-ridden with uh, gun violence. Uh, drug abuse and, and those kind of things obviously 
uh, seems to always escalate. And we've been trying to combat some of those um, negativities uh, throughout the years. Uh, we've had some success in some areas and we're still fighting to, um, to overcome in some other areas. Uh, but we have some good communities out here. We have some good people uh, in all of our neighborhoods. And unfortunately, we do have uh, some bad apples who still continue to perpetrate uh, gun violence in our community. Um, we first must recognize the disparities within the Rock Hill communities uh, from the north to the south to the east to the west here locally. And, and, and some of the questions that are being asked is, is where are your local neighborhood leaders? Where are your um, police uh, presence? Where are the city's involvement in some of these areas? Um, you know, I've said all along, anytime our city uh, gets involved in any community in a positive way, it changes the dynamics, it changes the complexity of some of our neighborhoods. And we haven't really seen a lot of uh, influence or influx of influence into some of these communities that we're still struggling with. You know, we've, we've moved police officers into some neighborhoods uh, to, to get back to somewhat of community-based policing. I think that has helped in some areas, uh, but yet and still, uh, we need uh, some of our good people and our good community leaders to uh, not just be successful in our communities and move out, but be successful and move back to some of our communities. And I think that way we will start to see some changes in some of these uh, different neighborhoods and streets that, that you, you've gone through and that we've had trouble with. Thank you, Councilman Roddy of uh, County Council, Rock Hill. Um, next question, uh, same question, we'll go to uh, Coach Alonzo Lumpkin of Rock Hill Boxing. Yes, sir. Um, just uh, first and foremost, I definitely appreciate you um, for inviting me to the show. Um, just kind of give people a little breakdown of who I am. Um, my name is Alonzo Lumpkin. I'm a coach at the Rock Hill Boxing Club. Um, and I went to, went to uh, Winthrop. I graduated from Winthrop. Um, went to the local high school, Northwestern. Um, class of 98, so um, big shout out. Um, but uh, the gun violence, um, it's, it's one of those things where I, I really believe that um, it comes from a lot of different areas, um, but the home is one of my biggest things, um, one of the biggest things that I can, can really think of to, to combat it, um, to, to, to put it on the forefront. Um, coming from home, um, and just <clears throat> just real quick, I've actually um, had a chance to see both sides of the equation. Uh, one side of the equation to where you know you see these kids in the streets. Um, I, I I deal and work with a lot of kids coming in and out of the Boston gym um, with so many different issues, and a lot of it stems from home. So I I don't want to take up too much time, but I you know I want to kind of give a brief. Great. Thank you, Coach Lumpkin. Uh, Antonio Michael. Hey. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Chris. And I, and I want to say, um, in, in regards to gun violence, uh, my condolences to uh, the families that have been affected by gun violence. We had uh, two young individuals who lost their life to gun violence recently. Um, in regards to gun violence, I want to say that it's on all of us to battle the gun violence situation. It's not just, you know, parents and home that 
you say, well, it's the parents' responsibility as far as um, tackling the issues that are going on with the with the teens and the youth in our community. It's also everyday citizens like myself that have to, you know, take responsibility for, you know, what we don't want to see in our community, and uh, and, and come up with. Um, solutions in regards to what we need to do. That's why we're having this conversation. Um, another thing that I want to address to Bump's point when he was, you know, talking about uh, community leaders that basically, you know, leads to um, the lack of opportunities that uh, some have mentioned um, on the south side of Rock Hill that that we don't have. Uh, we do have a an initiative going on with the the Clint Connection Action Plan that is identifying uh, opportunities that we do need on, on the south side of Rock Hill that's going to improve the, the quality of life overall for everyone. Um, when we talk about improving quality of life, that means you know, bringing the resources that we need as far as you know, affordable homes to where we can increase home ownership in our community, uh, bringing jobs to our community to where we, we both know that uh, we all know rather that, you know, when there's jobs, you know, that tackles the issues of, you know, not being able to, you know, adequately take care of our families, which reduces the poverty level in our, in our communities, which we do have a problem with. So there's a, a, a number of things that we can do collectively uh, to battle um, the gun violence problem that we have in our community, but it's going to have to take all of us saying enough is enough and, and take our communities back. Got it. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Dr. Deacon Chisholm. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to echo what everyone else has said, Chris. I do want to thank you for allowing this opportunity to speak on a topic that is very important. Um, I bring from this perspective two points. One, um, from a clergy standpoint, and also from an educator, because I'm an educator also. And so I look at it also from a spiritual standpoint and also from an education standpoint. And for us to battle this issue that we do have with guns is to bring in the churches and also to continue the education that is needed to not only educate the kids that are in these communities, but also to educate on the laws and, and the legislation that goes along with gun laws. Thank you, Dr. Deacon Chisholm. Mm -hmm. uh, we might have, I know some of you already kind of tackled this, but the next couple of questions I wanted to talk about was, and if there's anything you all, all wanted to add on to, um, how do we move forward? Um, how can you personally help? So, Councilman Roddy. Well, one way that I would, would encourage people uh, in helping combat uh, some of the uh, community issues such as gun violence that we're seeing is to uh, simply get involved, you know, be a neighbor, be that neighbor that you would want to have if something was going on on your front porch. You know, a lot of times we tend to shut our doors and look the other way and say that's two streets over. And we don't really get involved when things are happening on the other block. We don't show that true genuine interest of what's going on a block or two away. And it's only when it hits our home front or our front doorstep now we want everybody else to be concerned, but we need to be concerned when it's not right in our backyard. And that's not just uh, when it's on the south side, you know, people on the north side and the east side should be concerned about gun violence uh, on the south side. The neighbor across the street, two doors down, a block over, 
we it's going to like AJ said, it's going to take all of us. Um, and you know, we have a stigma in our community uh, of kind of looking the other way when it's not us. And we also have this 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 unwritten code of of uh, don't snitch. Well, that's all fine and well until it happens to you, and you're looking for uh, someone who brought hurt, harm, and danger to your family. You want someone to say something, but are you willing to say something when it's somebody else's family? And I think that's one thing that we really have to uh, get put behind us and, and start letting people know in our community that we're not going to just turn a blind eye um, when it's two streets over, two doors down, because eventually it's going to end up on your doorstep and you're going to want the community to rally around you and your family doing this time of need. So I, I think we just need to get involved. And it's something as simple as, as, as looking out for your neighbor. If, if neighbors look out for neighbors, we can, we can build that neighborhood back. And, and put the neighbor back in neighborhood and not just have the hood. Thank you, Councilman Wright. <clears throat> Coach Lumpkin. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I definitely agree with um, um, Mr. Roddy and what he's saying. I believe that we should move forward um, by number one, promoting the, the nuclear family. I, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the family. I'm a big advocate of the structure of the family. I'm a big advocate of um, of, of having the children um, have that that type of structure in place. Most of the the shootings and, and 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 a lot of the gun violence, to my understanding, is done by not older individuals, but young young men, um, young men that in my in my in my experience, young men that are lost. So um, sometimes I, I think that uh, having that family structure. And like Mr. Roddy was saying, it can be, you know, it, it, the next street over. Um, and, and we don't really pay attention to it until it's happening to us and to, uh, to our families. Um, I believe that we need to definitely strengthen, strengthen the family structure, strengthen the family, strengthen what, what we value um, as, a, as a community, uh, as a people. I think that our values have continued to, um, to go the other way. And uh, when we don't value the life of another individual, and when we don't value the life of, of, of our neighbors, I begin. I believe that that's the beginning phase of a, of, of a huge, huge problem. We, we can discuss so many, you know, different issues. And, and, and there are, it's not just one answer. There are a lot of answers. But I do believe that um, it all boils back to home and to how the, um, the individual sees um, it's in his environment, his or her, his or her environment. All right. Thank you, Coach Lumpkin. Mr. Michael. To, to add to what Alonzo has said and what Councilman Roddy has said, it comes back to value. You know, we got to bring back the, 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 what we see as the value in our community, the same value that we see in these other communities. And I, and I keep it local here with Rock Hill, the same value that we see in a Meadow Lakes 2 in all of these other affluent uh, communities um, that we have in Rock Hill, we have to see that same value on our side of town in Flint Hill and Sunset Park and Board Hill and all these other communities that are that are played with uh, with the violence that we see. And when we see that same value in our communities, then we'll start seeing the turnaround that we need to see. Got it. Thank you, Mr. Michael. <clears throat> Dr. Deacon Chisholm. Mm -hmm. um, well, the first thing that I can definitely um, offer from my perspective um, are my prayers. And that's, that's for the community and for individuals 
that have been um, affected by the violence of guns. Um, the other thing is, is what everyone else has, has said. It's the community coming together. And once the community comes together, the community needs to also learn how to um, communicate in an effective way. And one way, because I bring a lot of it back to my Christian faith, is that we have to be very empathetic in our way of expressing ourselves. And this is where a lot of the gun violence come from, is that there's a lack of communication and an unwillingness to communicate in an effective way. And that's a lot of times due to people not being able to communicate. So um, one of the things that I feel that, just like everyone else has said, is that once the community comes together, we have to definitely communicate. And based upon that communication, is in a very empathetic way. Definitely what the Christian value is based upon is, is have empathetic love. Thank you, Dr. Deacon Chisholm. You can just call me Terrence. That's, that's <laughs> All right, Terrence. That's good enough for my mom. All right. <laughs> um, so the next, uh, we got four questions, but I think we could put these, tackle these uh, one by one um, with each uh, member on the panel tonight. If so, how is this a gun issue? If so, how is this an individual issue? If so, how is this a community issue? And if so... You know, how is this a race issue? So I guess, um, you know, there's guns, individuals, community, and race. How do those all play into this if they do? So, Councilman Roddy. Well, I want to start off by saying, I, and I've been watching some of the comments that's coming in on, on, the, uh, on the live feed. And, you know, someone was saying this is, uh, they're not, they don't support uh, more gun uh, what do you say? Gun control. And I'll, first I'll say this is not about gun control. If it was about gun control, it'd be about responsible ownership of guns. But when you have guns in the hands of, of young adults and teens and preteens, this is not about gun control. This is about securing uh, firearms that's in the house that may be available to young children. This is about teaching uh, our children the value of life. Uh, and to respect other people's uh, life and their children and their property. Uh, when you, if you want to look at anything that's leaning towards any kind of race relations to this issue, we do see more uh, gun violence in the black community. So I think there's a drop off with uh, child rearing and making sure that we instill those things uh, in our children that, that, um, may or may not be present in the home. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, homes in our communities are single parent homes, you know, homes without fathers. You know, that's one way that I think we can get back to um, getting our hands around our children in our community is is making sure that uh, people like myself and Antonio and Lumpkin and Deke uh, continue to to educate and push um, family, you know, uh, Broken homes mean broken communities, mean broken dreams. Uh, and so we definitely need to uh, continue to focus on uh, family and, and, and raising our children and, and letting people in our community know that we want the same thing for our children as, as those in, in some of the other communities who are seeing less gun violence. Thank you, Councilman Roddy. Coach Lumpkin. Um, 
um, I would definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, I would definitely say um, what I could do to help. Um, I would, I would say first and foremost, um, being down at the Rock Hill Boxing Club, you know, um, I can invite those kids down. Um, I think, I think that we've lost the art of fighting. I mean, and, and I got to come from that perspective because that's what I, that's what I'm around. That's what I do. And I think that the art of having a disagreement has has taken steps way beyond where it needs to be. Um, you know, if, if I disagree with my neighbor, or if I disagree with my with my friend, cousin, whoever, or, or somebody from another city, um, or, or or county, whatever, um, how do we how do we address it? How do we handle it? And I think that a lot of the kids that come in, they don't they don't really know how to handle it, and 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 they get a lot of the information off of off of TV, off of social media, off of off of something that they've seen, not not something that they've done. There was a time where I heard, you know, um, actually, there was a time when I grew up very young at the time, but my great-grandmother, I mean, you know, in the house, they would have a gun in just about every room and every corner. And, and we never thought even twice about putting our hands on that gun. And, you know, the value of life, we knew the value of life. The, um, the, the, the things that we valued, you know, we... You didn't want to get the consequences of putting your hands on the gun, let alone shooting someone with the gun. So, I mean, I, I, again, I go back to, you know, um, having the structure, having the, the family values. At the Rock Hill Boxing Club, we have a mixture of people, not, you know, not just one ethnicity. We, we have a, a huge mixture of, of individuals that we invite in. And we definitely, in, you know, encourage the family structure. We definitely encourage uh, individuals to come in and express who they are. Um, and one of the main things I, that I, I definitely promote, again, is the family. You know, if you go down there right now, I'm not there. The gym is, is, is still going on. And you will see that it's a very structured family environment. If nothing else, it's a family environment. And I, I definitely, you know, would say, you know, let the, the, the young men be young men. You know, if, you know, back in the days we would fight, you know, me and Antonio talked about it quite a, you know, quite a few times. You know, you knuckle up. You, you you bite down and, and, and you fought. And and it didn't it didn't create death behind it. It did you know, it it was you might have a few bruises and bumps, but at the end of the day you okay. You you fight another day. And I think that, you know, we're 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 shunning that. We don't need to shun that. We need to say, hey, there's a way of doing it. Maybe even if that's not your way, but there's a way of doing it other than killing one another. So <clears throat> Thank you, Coach. Yeah, thank you. Mr. Michael. When when you ask the question if it's a if it's a gun issue, the, the answer to that is yes. The accessibility of getting that firearm to 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 to, to handle a situation that in, in many cases when you look at these uh, you know, these these different uh, incidences that have happened, you know, even within the past year that I shared with you, why is it that you're bringing a firearm or a gun to a, to, to tackle an issue that could probably be easily de-escalated by communicating with one another. That's one thing. The other thing, too, is the value of life. You know, that mindset of, I'm going to take another person's life, that's, that's a value problem. Um, the next question is, is this an individual issue? The answer to that question is yes. Because that individual is making a decision to bring that gun into a situation to where 
you're basically either bringing harm to that person's life or you're taking that person's life. Is it a community issue? The answer to that question is yes, because if we don't look at it as a community issue, then we're never going to resolve the problem. So we have to come together as a community to say enough is enough and take our community back. How is this a race issue? That's the problem there because when we tackle, when we tag this as this is black on black crime or this is a black issue, then it don't get the attention that it's so needed. It puts in the mind of people that it's not my problem. And when you say black on black crime or when you say, oh, that's their problem on that side of town, it basically says we don't need to do anything about that. So when we need to say this is a city problem, this is a all of us problem so that we can take care of it and, and get this gun violence out of our communities. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Terrence. Yeah. Um I definitely I agree with what everyone has said. And, you know, the very basic question, is it a gun issue? Yes, because they're not using slingshots to cause these um, issues. So if it was a slingshot issue, that's what we'd be talking about. So on a very basic level, yes, it's a gun issue. The other thing is that I want to hit on is that what was mentioned last about the black on black crime issue is that because in 2018 the FBI did a report and it was pretty much equal with white on white crime versus black on black crime. White on white crime there was 81% and with black on black it was 89%. So that, that's a statistic from the FBI that was done in 19, I mean 2018. So, and that goes back to what I stated earlier, I think, not only the issue that brings a lot of this to the forefront is the lack of communication skills that we have. Because the information is out there, but if we do not have the correct way to communicate how we feel, then what happens is that you end up having people that take it in a negative way. Just like Coach said over there, one way of communicating, you can communicate more than just verbally, you can communicate physically. And he uses the physical way, but he uses it in a controlled environment, which makes it okay because you're using rules and regulations to go by. Just like with guns, you can go hunting, you have rules that you have to follow when you go hunting. And you use guns um, mostly when you hunt. You don't go, like I said, with a slingshot and go kill a deer. You use a gun. When we have a lack of communication with anger and other things and inside the home, they don't know how to communicate, then it escalates when you have accessibility to guns. Then when people don't know how to um, communicate properly, they go and they reach and they go and get things that are easily accessible and that's like guns and things like that. So the answer to your question, Chris, yes to everything. Thank you. All right. Uh, next set of questions. You know, we can put, pretty much put all these together. For those of you uh, just checking in, 
We are going to have this on rockhillvideo.com, so if you missed any of this, there'll be plenty of opportunities to catch back up. Uh, the next group of questions is about what can be done. So what can black people do? What can other races do? What can local law enforcement do? What can elected officials do? And what can religious leaders do? So starting right back from the beginning, Councilman uh, Roddy of the Rock Hill County Council. First off, I want to say I, I can only speak from an individual and from an elected official standpoint. One thing that I know I can do and, and I continue to do is to try to be that positive influence on uh, our young and young men and women who are in certain communities who are susceptible to gun violence. Um, obviously, gun violence is not predicated to just one side of town or one race of people, but we need to continue to promote positivity. We need to continue to promote that family environment. Um, some of the young men and women who have fell victim to gun violence and, and those type of um, violent crimes um, are in some of our high-risk neighborhoods. They tend to have probably some of your more uh, single-parent homes. The dropout rate seems to be a little higher. So, so it's so many factors that play into uh, how people end up being um, victims of gun violence. But from my standpoint as an elected official, man, just continue to make sure that we support um, programs, uh, i.e. whether it's the boxing club, whether it's the safety patrols at school that, that takes kids and show them uh, a difference and how that they can be um, um, effective in school or in their community. Continue to promote uh, the purpose of police officers and law enforcement, what they're here for, what they're not here for. So when our young men and women grow up, they just don't think the police come to our neighborhoods or come to their door when they're coming to arrest someone. They're in the neighborhood to protect them and serve them. And when they're not doing that, um, then it needs to be um, kind of pointed out and brought to the forefront. But man, our, our community has so many different uh, stigmas that we're, we're trying to, to fight off and, and get down to the root of some things is that it takes the effort of all of us. And I think everyone on this panel has kind of touched on that. It's, it's not just um, the blacks in the black community uh, trying to combat this issue. We need some of our white colleagues and counterparts to also step in uh, because the bullet has no name on it. You know, it could, it could affect my community just as well. It can affect the next community over. Um, so we, we just need to continue. Uh, we need to continue to promote that positivity, uh, the value of life and, and just, um, but it, it takes a lot of money to support a lot of programs. You know, everybody want to put it on, on teachers. Everybody want to put it on the police department. Everybody want to put it on somebody else except them. And, you know, so we just have to step up and, and, and us men on this panel here tonight continue to, to be the face of positivity in all of the circles that we run in and, and not just when things are going bad. Obviously, I know all these gentlemen that's on the panel um, and they have been uh, positive reinforcers uh, just of everything they've said tonight. You know, I, I remember Lumpkin from uh, uh, football at Northwestern. AJ from being at Rock Hill High and Deke from, uh, if I remember correctly, he come through Northwest maybe a couple years ahead of me. So all these guys have been around. Uh, we all have matriculated through 
um, good times and bad times in our own respective communities. And if we can do it, we need to send that message back down to everyone else that they can do and be just as positive as we can. Thank you, Councilman. Coach Alonzo Lumpkin of Rock Hill Boxing. Um, what can we do? I think that um, we need to address some of the underlying issues. Um, and I think, I guess I can say in a, in a nutshell, we need to heal. Um, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes um, before um, that individual picks up that gun. There's a lot of things that go on in life of those um, in, in children and young adults before they decide that violence is the way. And I think that um, coming from a, a background or coming from a, a violent type of background, a lot of these kids are coming from, they see that particular type of, of violence or that particular type as the way. When I say that think that we need to heal, that means that we need to sit back and, and really address the root causes and, um, and and just see where we are as a community. And again, I always go back to family, where we are as a family. Um, one of the main things I would say is drugs, drugs and alcohol. Uh, there are so many uh, kids that come down to the gym that drugs and alcohol has affected their family. It may not affect, it may not be uh, directly to the individual, but indirectly their mom, their brother, their sister, that, that has been affected by drugs and alcohol. And it, it, that, that in itself plays a huge role and, and a huge effect on how the, how, the, how the child, how the kids view life. And, and having that structure, having the direction that you know, I fortunately had, and I'm pretty sure other you know, individuals on the panel may have, have had some, some of that structure. But when you take that structure out of the household, when you take that structure out of the environment, then you have chaos. And and again, like Chris was saying, um, and like Mr. Roddy was saying, we have to have a structure. We have to have structure, even in the way that we fight, even in the way that 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 we hunt, right? Even in the way that we um, we, we operate and communicate, we have to have some type of structure. And when you have kids and individuals that don't have any structure at all. Um, it, you're going to have these issues regarding regardless of who's helping, regardless of, of, of how much help that you can give an individual, but until they understand that they, hey, something is wrong with the way that you're viewing the situation. If I got to go pick up a gun and kill my neighbor, something is wrong with the way that I'm viewing the situation. And, and I think down to the core, that is a huge problem. And I say, and again, we need to heal. We need to take the time to actually heal from the effects of drugs and alcohol. We need to take the time to actually address the effects on our children of drugs and alcohol. So um, healing is a big part of the process. Being, being, being able to, to know or being able, being aware that, hey, something is a problem. Like, you, there's a problem. So we need, to, we need to know that and be aware of it and actually address it. I think that we, <clears throat> from time to time, we, we address so many different things. But to actually say that we need to heal is it, it, to me that speaks volume because again nobody's addressing the healing process we 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 actually have to heal so that i guess that's my take on it <laughs> All right. thank you coach mr 
Antonio Michael, uh, once again, community leader and former Navy. Hi. Thanks, Chris. Um, what can we, what can black people do? Um, we need to value one another. That's, that's, that's first and foremost. Uh, we need to value one another. We need to value our community. But also, our communities. But I also want to say, too, uh, as far as our, our youth and our young people, you know, I have kids at home. We need to talk to our kids. You know, we, we need to we need to see, you know, what's going on with them, what they're thinking, you know, what their ideas are. Another thing too, we need to talk to one another. You know, we all have a circle of friends, we all have things that we deal with. We may be able to talk one of our friends that we speak to every day off the ledge from doing something that they can regret for the rest of their life. Um, when it comes to law enforcement, you know, law, local law enforcement here, I believe they've done a, a, a great job in regards to keeping our community safe, but we need to help them. Um, there are some, you know, some unsolved cases out there when it comes to, when it comes to gun violence, and I believe that there are folks in our community that know who's behind these unsolved cases. We need to come forward so that we can you know, give these families closure, give these families the, the relief that they're seeking because they've had family members that's been affected by gun violence. Um, and to to echo what Councilman Roddy said, you know, when it comes to, you know, law enforcement, elected officials, religious leaders, you know, what, you know, what do they need to do? And again, I go back to what I said, collectively, you know, we need to work together to solve this problem. Um, even with this panel that we have going on here, I hope that this leads and sparks other conversations that go on because we don't we don't have the answers. You know, we we we're given you know possible solutions, but we need to have other dialogue. You know, hear from from people in the community in regards to what they think you know needs to be done in regards to solving gun violence and our problem because it, in our community because it. The conversation shouldn't stop here. We need to continue to have these conversations to battle this problem because, and be proactive because we don't want to wait until the next time it happens, you know, to talk about we have a gun violence problem in our community. We need to have this, this type of dialogue so we can get to the bottom of it to stop this gun violence that's going on. Got it. Thank you, Antonio. <clears throat> Dr. Deacon Terrence Chisholm of St. Mary's. The first and foremost thing that we need to have is what we're doing now, and that is open communication. And when we have the open communication, it's communication that uh, is very empathetic and also very respectful. The other thing that we need to have um, as educators is that we need to continue to teach and to also show to the kids um, having critical thinking skills because whenever you find yourself in situations you have to have these skills to be able to come out of these situations. Being a clergy the thing that we need to start doing especially within the um, south side of the community is that we need to honestly start preaching about these issues from the pulpit. That's what we need to start doing. And 
as always, and as not least, but we should always offer up all of these concerns and cares that we have in our prayers, that our community and our world would definitely become a much better place and, and aspire to what we all want it to be. Thank you, Terrence. We're down to a, a final uh, three questions. And um, what are some common misconceptions? We talked about a lot tonight. Just any, I know it's kind of a general question, but if there's anything specific you wanted to state. And then uh, we briefly talked about this black on black crime. You know, is that something that makes sense? Is that a term that makes sense to have? Is it, should we get rid of it? What do you think about that? And finally, uh, what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? So, Councilman Roddy. I was making a few notes as you was going through those questions. Uh, the biggest misconception that I, I think we're, we're we're facing is that people uh, on the south side or people in this neighborhood or that neighborhood don't care about the neighborhood. Overall, generally speaking, that's a big misconception. You know, in every community, there are going to be uh, perpetrators of, of things that we don't want to see, whether it's in the black community or whether it's in the white community or the Hispanic community or the Asian community. Um, one thing we don't typically see is people crossing over um, and making a huge impact uh, across in another neighborhood. So we're not seeing uh, white America come to black neighborhoods killing black individuals to an alarming rate to where we have this uh, white on black crime statistic. We don't see Asians going into the white, white community committing crimes and, and violence to where we see a Asian on white statistic. But what we do see and what we are able to track at an alarming rate is black on black crime, white on white crime. Um, and obviously there are Hispanics creating uh, issues in the Hispanic community. Uh, but it when, you, when we say black on black crime, and I think Antonio did a good job of framing it earlier, it makes white America and other ethnic ethnic groups say, that's not my problem. I'm, I'm going to put that over in a box because that doesn't affect me. But when we just start talking about crime and gun violence and making it uh, a community problem, a city problem, a county problem, then it, it invites people to take ownership and want to be a part of the solution and not just push back and say, it doesn't affect me. But because like I said earlier, what are you going to do when it comes up at your door, whether it's uh, a black on black crime situation or white on black crime or black on white crime. You know, um, gun violence is gun violence and, and bullets have no name, um, but eventually they will claim someone's life if guns end up in the wrong hands of irresponsible people. Um, you know, we, we have programs in the area that offer up um, gun safety locks, but those are for the law-abiding families and citizens who want to protect their guns, who want to protect their family. And we all know that, that we do have perpetrators in, in, in every community that's not there for the good of the community. And that's when law enforcement is there to, to make sure that they deal with those individuals. That's why we have the court system to deal with those individuals. And if, if people take ownership of, of their firearms, uh, because, you know, kids uh, have, have accidentally shot their brothers and sisters inside the home, whether they were a black family or a white family. And so that gets back to the gun ownership and responsible gun ownership. And, and just what it means about the Black Lives Matter, I want to touch on that real quick. 
what what to me that whole movement that started and continues to goes on that plays a significant part in our community is bringing to the forefront and i think it sends an even bigger message to our children who are in some of our most vulnerable neighborhoods that your life does matter your neighbor's life does matter and it also has a bigger message to to um the rest of america that our lives matter it's not just saying that just black lives matter but there's a, another message in that message that goes to our children that live in our neighborhoods or live next door that we care about our community we care about our neighbors and we want other ethnic groups and other people across america to feel the same way about our children as we feel about our children in the same way that they feel about their children to feel about our children so it it, it all goes together and you know from the black lives matter you get blue lives matter and all these other lives matter but at the end of the day yeah all lives matter but when we're killing our own and the police is killing our own and other groups disrespect us and put us in harm's way we, we have to stand up and say hey our lives matter just as much as as your sons and daughters uh lives matter so it it, it's not, it shouldn't be a slap in the face to any ethnic group uh, with saying Black Lives Matter, but we wish we wish and hope that white America would jump on board and say, yeah, Black lives do matter because white lives matter, because Asian lives matter, because Hispanic lives matter. And then we can get to the all lives matter. But when you have certain groups that, that tries to uh, go against the Black Lives Matter concept, that in itself is disrespectful to uh, the Black community. Um, so my, my hope and wish, even with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, is that, first of all, people in our own community respect Black lives. Because when once we respect Black lives, then we can truly, genuinely expect other ethnic groups to uh, respect, respect Black lives. Thank you, Councilman Roddy. Coach Lumpkin. Um, <clears throat> Well, just um, I, I definitely love what, um, what uh, Mr. Roddy has definitely said. Um, and I'll start with the, back, the Black Lives Matter. I think that um, a huge issue uh, with the Black Lives Matter was, you know, systematically, are we being targeted? I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's the, the right way of putting it, but <clears throat> when we saw the, the death of uh, George Floyd, um, you know, we saw the, the, the police kneeling on his neck, and, and that definitely sparked a huge out, outrage from the community. Um, white and black, um, you know, in, in different parts and different sections of the United States. Um, but we have to, you know, really reel it back in to say, you know, if 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 that was another brother, <clears throat> if that was a black man kneeling on his neck out in the street, would it have the same effect? Um, again, we, we have to go into a type of process, a type of healing that you know really addresses the fact that this this is an individual this is a black person or white person or whomever this is a person that's being that's being dealt with in a in the wrong way and i, I agree that black lives matter i'm i'm a black man I, I agree that black people matter but i also think that the lives of 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 all individuals should matter and if if we're going to you know live in a, in a nation of democracy i think that um True democracy would would address it in, at any at any way. Um, I believe that yes, um, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, I I just wish that Black folks 
would have that same energy when it's a black man killing another black man. Or if, if I send my child out to, to, you know, to go get bread from, you know, from the store and he doesn't come back, regardless of whether the, the police did it or the, another brother did it or whoever did it, I'm not going to get my child back. So, you know, we, we actually have to look at so many different things. Um, but the way we look at the Black Lives Matter, the, the, the Blue Lives Matter, I, I think that black lives matter. I think that blue lives matter. I think that everybody's life life matters, and I don't. And I think that we are not addressing the the systematic uh, approach, you know, uh, to to the idea of black lives matter, which is, you know, what's the numbers on the jails being, you know, full of African Americans versus the percentage of African Americans in in the United States. I think it's around thirteen percent, but. Most of them are, you know, uh, a little bit more um, black individuals, African-Americans in, in the prison system. So, uh, again, we, we have to actually look at uh, things on more than just on just uh, one occasion or, or just one instance. Um, and some of the misconceptions, I think, um, one in particular is that we are violent. I think it's been said here, you know, before, um, Rep. Deacon, um, that, you know, we we have about probably the same amount of violence as any other race of individuals have. I think that you know people are going to, to they're going to fight, they're going to shoot, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. Um, do we need to continue to say, hey, this is black on black violence? I, I think that the the idea um, uh, and the stigmatism of putting it on black on black actually invites um, it, it, it invites over policing in, in my in my my opinion. Um, it actually invites things that, you know, it invites a negative stereotype um, uh, in the black community to say, well, we can't control ourselves. We can't do these things ourselves. We, we don't, you know, we need, we need extra help. When actually, when, actually, when actually I think that there's a big part that we can do ourselves. And I think that we have to, to begin to have that self-accountability to say, hey, this is what I can do myself. And the things that I can't control and the things I can't do, then, then I'll, I'll need some help. But, you know, to, to really sit back and address those things that we can do and the self, you know, and some of that bootstrap work, is, I think it's still, it's still needed. So, thank you, Coach. Mr. Michael? What does Black Lives Matter to me? Uh, besides the movement, just in general, Black Lives Matter, what it means to me is that my life matters just as much as your life matters. And when our society see that the color of my skin as far as my life matters just as much as yours, then you'll see a reflection of that in the laws that are created in this country. You'll see a reflection of that in the resources or lack thereof that my community receives versus what your community will receive. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Terrence? The misconception that has turned into a misrepresentation is the uh, movement of the Black Lives Matter. And what I mean by that is that, just like what was just said, is that our lives is the same as every other life. And that is the crux of the Black Lives Movement is that we just want to be treated 
as the same and as equal. That's it. No less, no more. Equal. Um, and one of the um, things that I think we can look as, as a recent example would be January the 6th. Everything that was perpetrated against this government on January the 6th was what was spouted against what Black Lives Matter was supposed to do. And that right there goes back to the misconception equals to misrepresentation, which has turned into misinformation. So, and so we have to be very careful as a country, as a nation, and as a world. And that goes back into our local society also, is that whatever phrase we want to use, it doesn't matter if you're white life, black life, Latino life, Asian life, we all want to be treated as equal, period. And once you start treating everyone on a different plane, trust me, they will decide to find some way to argue back, to fight back against the mischaracteristics um, of justice that has been perpetrated against them. So, as I stated before, everyone wants to be treated as the same, as equal. And that's the crux of the Black, black Lives Matter. Thank you, Terrence. Mm -hmm. uh, we're down to our final question of the evening. Thank you for staying tuned with us. Uh, I believe Councilman Bumparati had to step off, so uh, we will go to Coach Lumpkin to close it out with, uh, starting to close it out with just final thoughts. Anything else you want to share that we didn't talk about tonight? Um, there was something that I, that I read um, prior to coming in and I, I definitely wanted to share. And I, I definitely believe... Um, it was a, a statement that was saying that um, a child will burn down the community to feel its warm, something like something of that nature. And most of the the way I think, the way I feel, comes from that particular viewpoint. Um, there are, are children, young adults, that we we have to include. We have to find some kind of way to include them into what we're doing, how we're progressing as a community, how, how we are, you know, uh, developing. I, I think that um, as those individuals seem to be excluded, um, and, and you're not going to get everybody, you're not going to get everybody, but some of those individuals, and I've seen from my own experience, are potential leaders in the community, but, but they don't have the structure to keep them and keep their minds where it needs to be. So I, in, I guess in my opinion, uh, just to kind of close things out, I would love to see those individuals being addressed. Um, those um, in which, when I grew up, those were the guys that people looked up to. Uh, we didn't look up to the, you know, the smartest guy in the classroom. We looked up to the guy that can handle himself. So, you know, the guy that could fight, we didn't look up, to, you know, to the guy, maybe the best dressed, but for the most part, you know, the guy that could fight always had somebody's attention. So, you know, at some point, I think that we really need to um, pull back and address 
the individual issues, but but for the most part, uh, I guess my whole spirit today was was about healing. How we need to actually heal from the effects of things that have happened prior generations too, and now it's now it's sitting in the lap of our children, and 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 we are not necessarily addressing it in the right way, and the the, the children are are the recipients of 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 the things that we may not have taken care of. So, thank you, Coach. Mr. Michael, uh, Christopher, I I, I want to thank you uh, for this. Basically, this dialogue, when you reached out to me, um, I'm hoping that this sparks, you know, other conversations, you know, throughout the community and throughout the city. Um, the information that I shared with you, that's public record, you know, on the crime map, um, cityofrockhill.com, uh, city you know, it has this information. So it's, 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 you know, it's not something that was just pulled out of the air. Another thing that I want to to mention as well is we talked about it earlier about the uh, you know the more resources that we need in our community and I say that we have to take this opportunity to step up and I always say step up and save ourselves. So next Thursday I want to make this announcement we're having a virtual community meeting because I'm involved with a group called the Clinton Connection. And we're having a virtual community meeting about the Clinton Connection Action Plan that's basically focused on the south side of Rock Hill in regards to identifying, you know, the opportunities, you know, that we so need in our in our community. And it's basically going to affect uh, all the communities on the south side of Rock Hill, Flint Hill, Sunset Park, College Downs, Crawford Road. We want everybody to, to be a bulk be a part of that virtual that virtual community meeting. And we're on Facebook, um, the Clinton Connection Action Plan. If you look us up, um, just look us up, pay attention to our timeline. We're going to have information on there about uh, participating in our, uh, our Zoom meeting. I also want to mention as well about um, Emmett Scott. I'm a chairperson of the Emmett Scott Advisory Committee. Me and Lonzo serve on that committee. We're, uh, we're planning uh, a lot of things, a lot of improvements to uh, the Emmett Scott Center, which is the, the basketball mecca of Rock Hill, the boxing mecca of Rock Hill. Uh, we, we got uh, park improvements that are coming. We got improvements that are coming to the track. Uh, we have a, a, a project lined up in regards to restoring McGirt Auditorium, along with some uh, other improvements that's going to go on. Uh, with Emmett Scott, uh, but we need the help of the community. You know, we're in the process of, you know, working out uh, a way to where we can see that project come into fruition, see that project come. I'm, I'm hoping that we can we can get that done in a timely manner because we have some Emmett Scott alumni that would that would solely like to see that um, that project uh, taken care of. Um, and the last thing that I want to mention too is the the uh, Rock Hill City Council. Uh, approved a, uh, a citizens review board. Uh, we talked about improving uh, community uh, relations with the police. Citizens review board is one of those things that can that can definitely improve uh, community community relations with the police. Um, I ask everyone that's looking at this Facebook live uh, presentation to reach out to your city council member and, and basically ask them where are we in regards to getting the Citizens Review Board going. Thank you, Mr. Michael. Mm -hmm. Terrence? 
one thing I um, definitely want to leave with tonight is that everything that has always made a huge impact or change in the United States has always been uprooted from the youth. And it is very important that we cultivate the youth, that we give them that opportunity to become leaders in their own community and leaders outside of their communities also. Every change that has taken place, it has always taken place because of young people. You can look back from the Civil Rights Movement to the American Revolution. It was not because of 60, 70 year old people, even 40 to 50 year old. It was because the 20 year olds got tired. So this is who we need to cultivate. And this is one of the things why the Black Lives Matter I'm so proud of. It's because it's the young people. You might disagree with what they're doing, or you might agree. If you disagree, I would advocate that you go and you would immerse yourself with them to understand and be empathetic to understand what's going on with the need for them to change. And also, always keep God in the forefront, in the back front, and on the side front. Because that is who we shall always lean on as we go through changes throughout this world. And, and, to, and to add to that as far as leadership, we need to give our young people an opportunity to lead. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, for those of you watching, thank you. And this is going to be on rockhillvideo.com within the next couple of weeks. Uh, give a shout-out to uh, Councilman Bump Roddy. I know he wasn't able to stay on with us. But if you ever want to reach out to Councilman Bump Roddy, like I said, he's with the Rock Hill County Council. Uh, they have meetings. Just uh, I'm not sure the exact dates. But uh, you can just Google that, and you can go meet him and talk to him if there's something you want to share. Uh, thank you to Coach Alonzo Lumpkin. Uh, if you'd like to get to know more about him and his boxing club, it's on Crawford Road in Rock Hill. Just show up. He's always giving me an open invite. I can go anytime I want. And uh, same for you. Uh, if you'd like to know more about uh, Mr. Antonio Michael, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Facebook. That's the best way to reach me. You can look me up on Facebook. Um, I, I post uh, a lot of things that are going on throughout Rock Hill to keep everybody informed. So just look me up on Facebook. Uh, add me on as a friend and you know I'll keep you informed and he stayed friends with me so I guess he's a pretty good guy <laughs> <laughs> and it's Antonio now Michael is M-I-C-K-E-L -M yeah. my name is my brand got it okay and then uh, if you ever want to go see uh, uh, Deacon Terrence Chisholm uh, he is also on Crawford Road in Rock Hill that's St. Mary's Catholic Church they have daily masses and they also have an 8 a.m. and a 10 a.m. Sunday mass and it doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not. You are welcome to come down there. So that, that's it for tonight. I really want to thank these gentlemen. And thank you all for watching. Um, I'm Chris Corrado. Now a word from our sponsors.